0: hello and welcome to pitch bleak the true creative crime podcast
1: i'm hayden and joining me as always is chris kennett welcome chris thanks hayden it's lovely to be here today on pitch bleak we will be poking around the crime scene of a not-for-profit organization that wanted to break the boredom of public transport yes if you happen to be in melbourne and riding a tram between 2009 and 2020 you may have been an unlikely and potentially unwilling audience member of an impromptu musical performance from artists such as Vance Joy, Paul Kelly, Paul Dempsey or Amy Shark. This was all due to the work of tram sessions. Yes, you heard me. Bands on trams. What could go wrong? Well, turns out it kind of uh, worked really well, actually. But then
0: it died. On this episode of Pitch Bleak, we interview co-founder Nick Wahlberg to find out who drove Tram Sessions off the rails or did it just reach the end of the line? Ding, ding. But first, Chris, has it got legs? Okay, there's a couple of things. First, Antiques Roadshow. Like, you know that show? Yep. Okay, think of that. Now put that over there. So that's part of your rank. You're in that. Now, do you ever use things at home that are designed for something else and then you use it for something else? (laughs) Let's say yes. (laughs) So I have always admired tennis coaches that use washing baskets as the way to – have you been tennis coached? No, I've not been tennis
1: coached. Uh, Do
0: you know a tennis player? (laughs) Do you know tennis?
1: (laughs) Look, for for this to work, we have to have a certain amount of assumed knowledge. Yes. Okay, Antiques Roadshow. You have to check that out with me. I did. When we're getting to the point where you're asking the question, do you know tennis, (laughs) we're raising bigger questions.
0: Okay. Tennis coaches will often need like a 1,000 balls to hit at someone and they'll put them into a bucket. But often they'll come up to the net and they'll have like a washing trolley, washing basket trolley and a basket, and they'll just put all the balls in that because it's just very easy to pick it up and... Okay, yes. Okay, but that's a washing basket. That's not like, there's not a specifically designed tennis basket. So they're just using a washing setup. I see, yeah. Okay, that's the show. (laughs) Whoa. uh, Now think Antiques Roadshow and you walk up with your like- My laundry basket. Yeah, and you're like, but it's something else you would use at your house or it's something you use in life. It's actually like this was designed for this, but it's actually better for this.
1: That's the show and then we have to decide whether or not that's true. So you cited Antiques Roadshow and you helped me put it over there and you've yeah. brought it back now and yeah. going, it's a bit like that. And what uh, way is it actually format, like that? Format. In that somebody's just bringing something and presenting it to somebody. <laughs> yes. There's no other aspect in which it's like. No. Instead because events, it's not evaluated. The no, thing is not going, well, this well, is actually, actually worth $5 million. It's someone
0: going, oh, that is actually a good way to do it. It's like a hack. So oh, like All right, so this is like a life hacks so, thing. Well, yeah, and then you just need a judge to decide whether or not it is actually a good hack.
1: So is it's it a, like you know this is a toothbrush but I found out that you can do even more disgusting things with it. Yes. And then we like, actually, and then we say no thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just like 20 of those an episode.
1: It's just a quick yes, no. Are they allowed to modify the object or is it just No, they can modify capacity? it. They can even jam two together or equivalent. Yeah. So, again, to bring it back to the toothbrush, you could tape two toothbrushes together and I'm just, wow, I'm smashing through my teeth in half the time. Or tape them together at the ends and you got one at each end. <laughs> we all remember when the Star Wars prequels came out, right? The only thing anyone remembers from the first one <laughs> is that the baddie Darth Maul had a double-ended lightsaber, yes. you know, it which was, it was like, oh, holy shit. Now, and then that- later on if you think about it, that's horribly impractical. And you're just going to cut your own head off with that thing. And so when I turn up to antiques roadblow with two toothbrushes taped together at the end, I don't know why I'm doing this now because I wouldn't be caught <laughs> you dead on be the this judge. Show. <laughs> well, if I was the judge? It's an immediate no. They don't even get to say anything.
0: That's the show. That's good. And imagine Darth Maul coming on the show being (laughs) like, You know this is a lightsaber. And then I've taken two of them together. And we'd be like, Holy shit, Darth Maul. You (laughs) idiots.
1: Get out of here. I'd be saying.
0: Okay, have I talked you round? Because it's a good show.
1: Yeah, I I hate that you've talked me around.
0: (laughs) It's a fun show.
1: So the show is essentially called something like Is this stupid? (laughs)
0: Is this stupid? As if that's not the best show on television right now. Is this stupid? Come on, Chris. We're here. We got there. That is an excellent show. It's you and me
1: judging. Yeah.
0: And it's just a line of people going, Is this stupid?
1: They're all carrying variations of household implements taped yeah. together yeah. in different ways. So, is it stupid? Does it is have it legs? Is it's it stupid? Stu- yes. <laughs> Does it have legs? Maybe.
0: Today's guest is here and he's ready to talk. Born in Sweden, Nick Wahlberg moved to Australia to study communications in Perth before packing his bags again and heading east to Melbourne to start tram sessions, a not-for-profit that put musical acts on tram networks to entertain the locals. He's a true entrepreneur, a lover of community and good times. Please welcome to the Pitch Bleak Studios, Nick Wahlberg. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's fantastic to be here. It's, really, it's a really fun place. Oh, thank you. Chris has never said that. He's not never acknowledged it's it. He just th- turns up and uses the toilet. This is a place of work. <laughs> Can you explain your journey, I guess, from Sweden to Australia?
2: It started in 2000, really. I was an exchange student in Mildura, Victoria. And it's actually funny how I got there because I'm a farmer boy. I grew up on a farm in Sweden. Um, And I was doing the application process, and the only cities I knew of was Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, pretty much. So I said, oh, I want to go to those places. And then I got the papers back, and you are in Mildura. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think, I'm not sure, but I think it was because I said I was a farmer. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the first entrance to Australia, Mildura. Wow. Have you been to Mildura?
1: I have. I think there's no finer way to enter the country. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: But that was the entrance to Australia. Yep. And then I came back um, to do, um, do university studies in Perth, actually. And then I met Emma there and we moved to Melbourne and I spent four years in, in Melbourne. A lot of people come from Perth to Melbourne, especially yeah. in the creative mm. world. Mm.
0: Is that a thing or not a thing?
2: I reckon it's a thing. I mean, Melbourne is a bit of a melting pot with creativity and with just culture and all this other kinds of... Like, it's amazing, I think. And Perth... It's not necessarily that. Do you think there was an overall sense in Perth that you you have to get out?
1: Yeah, there is a sense of
2: that, I think. Okay. And just see the world a bit. I mean, it's so far away from everything.
1: One of those little factoids that I enjoy about Perth is that it's the most isolated city on earth in terms of its distance from other Mm. population centers. Yeah. So I wouldn't go there. Jesus, I might as well go to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. How were you treated as a Swede in Perth? Did people find that interesting?
2: Yeah, a bit interesting. There is a cafe, um, a Swedish cafe there that's really famous. Miss Maud's, I think it's called. And Miss Maud is quite old if she's not even dead now. I I actually don't know. That's another.
1: That's a whole separate investigation. Yeah, it
2: really is. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of people just connecting Sweden to that cafe, which is also hilarious, talking about isolation. So, oh, yeah, so you must have been to Miss Morts. No,
1: no. <laughs> that's surprisingly cosmopolitan, that answer, because I would say that the extent of most Australians' knowledge of Sweden, even here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. is IKEA. Yep. And that's it.
0: <laughs> it's a sweet it's nodding in approval like, yeah you I don't know. even
1: want to talk about it you're yeah, like well oh, fuck that well uh, do you think that's a good little guide to what sweden's like when you go into ikea which i assume that you do daily every day yeah it's mandatory you have to report in
2: <laughs> buy a billy bookshelf every yep. day i have so many <laughs> is
1: it kind of a cringe experience no you? i
2: mean they've done i actually worked a bit with ikea like they do great work and i think in, in They do a lot of terrible stuff as well But I think when it comes to the picture of Sweden And yep. how they package that It's pretty, pretty accurate Obviously they try to make it as clean as possible And as yep. distinct as, as possible And finding the traditions and bits and pieces That's a bit more
1: interesting hmm. I'm trying to imagine Australia doing the equivalent overseas <laughs> Like opening up It'd be bunnings. It'd be it? bunnings. Yeah. This is just a hardware store. It's not there's nothing Australian about but this. But what you can oh, do. Oh well, we with sell it. a sausage out the front. That's, That's it. That's, it. That's that our thing. It. That's Australian culture, is a sausage. Yeah. That's all yeah. we've got. Well, yeah,
2: yeah. Sorry. Yeah, let's do something with that. <laughs> so then
1: you've
0: moved from Perth to Melbourne. Yep. What were you doing at that point?
2: Um when I first landed, it was just first to, to get a job. So I delivered roses. Oh. I delivered roses. Get out. Oh, yeah, You did not. I did. I did. It was lovely. It like, was actually it was, hang quite on, nice.
0: Like, a single rose to people? Like, a bachelor that would turn up? Like, a, <laughs> is, that,
2: is that it? I just knocked on doors with people and said, here's a lovely rose for you. Which
0: I'm not anti that.
2: No. no that's not a bad Actually, it would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Thank you, strange Swedish man. Exactly.
2: Yeah, it's a new niche. And then I got an advertising job. And at that time, I started Tram Sessions as well. So pretty early on, uh, we started Tram Sessions. Now, most of the guests that we've had in here for the Pitch Bleak Studios,
0: I guess they would be considered traditional creatives where they make something and then it becomes an art piece or something like that. Would you consider what you did with Tram Sessions to be creative? Or is it creatively adjacent or is it something else? Essentially, I'm asking, how do you define creativity in the end?
2: Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? But look, I, I guess I see myself a lot as a facilitator rather than the creative person doing the actual work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing the work. I'm just letting other people do their work. Um, no, but I, I can't play music as an example. I love music, but I can't play music, mm-hmm. but I listen to it. Or I make sure that I'm close to where music is or create the experience that's that's really interesting. And tram sessions was very much the same. Like I don't necessarily know how to film or do audio or anything of that, but I do love the combination of things that's joined when it doesn't really fit. Mm-hmm. You know, like music on a tram is not necessarily what you think is. Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: You're the kind of person who has big ideas, crazy concepts, and then you take other people who know how to do stuff, and you smush them together. You're an Elon Musk type.
2: <laughs> yes, I am an Elon Musk type. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I, I take it you spent probably less than $44 billion on tram sessions. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it didn't make as much money as, well, I guess Tesla and those guys, they're spending quite a lot of money too, so it's not necessarily like they Yeah, make you could come money. out in front. I could, <laughs> I could. Just give it a few more years. Tell us what tram sessions is yeah. and then how it started. So we were sitting at a cafe, and uh, it was me and CJ. So call you one Marlemstein. Did
1: you, did you write really that down? Name, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and say that name later, and it's going to be really racist. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, Carl, what?
2: Malmstian. So we were sitting at a cafe, and we just because um, he also moved to Melbourne roughly at the same time, and we were just brainstorming a few things, and then a tram went past, hmm. and we thought, okay. Maybe we have something here. So it was just just an idea that we got because we saw European initiatives where they play music in weird places. And then we thought, Melbourne, what's very much Melbourne? Well, live music, culture and trams. Mm. So if you sit on a tram, you know that either you look at your phone or you look out of the window and you don't really do much. There's no energy in that space. But imagine if the killers jump on and they start to play music, something happens oh, the in that space. the space. That's right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that I, I chose you, killers? Because this, you
1: know, it's a crime. Didn't... I appreciate that. Yeah. But then I also thought, imagine some killers jump on it. Well, that's that's even just, more interesting, that's maybe. just any know. given day on the fifty seventh. Yeah. So
2: Killers it's... with instruments. That would have been even yeah. more interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh,
1: I've seen that too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so we put bands on trams, something really amazing happened in the space, and then we built this terrible Steadicam out of pipes, because that was fun. Uh, It didn't really help much, Uh, but so we could film on the tram, because it moves around a lot, the tram, sure, and then uploaded to our website and Vimeo to begin with, Um, and that became a promotion material for the band, so they thought that was great and we created some really cool content that we thought that we could generate value in terms of money and advertising and all that kind of stuff what
1: year was this
2: 2000 and
1: yeah 2008
2: 2008
1: yeah, yeah. steady cams had not been invented at that point
2: who <laughs> <laughs> was the act at that point it point. was holly shepherdson who might be a sister of my wife <laughs>
1: Can we put that down on the suspect I'm list? Yeah, yeah, sister.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Sister Ingwe Moundstein.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> to paint the picture of that first tram with Holly. Mm. So it's you and CJ, mm. and on a steady cam made from lead pipe and a gym weight.
2: Yeah, that's right. What tram did you actually get on? This is good. We went on tram 57. Yeah, you know what's coming. <laughs> yeah so i was on the uh, uh, with the camera so i was you know pumping weights yeah. and then cj he was doing sound and um we actually had a broomstick and we stuck a mic on it so we looked so professional and she's a singer songwriter she's just a guitar and we found a spot where she could sit down and then we had a few people who were interested so they looked at us sort of know what's going on I don't know if I dare to look like do we need to give them money or what's going on this is really scary like I just want to sit down at my spot and don't do nothing but then we also had a friend to Mr. Tram 57 is a methadone clinic halfway towards the way that we were going that gentleman was definitely going there or had been there and he showed his affection to Holly very loudly and then two or three more minutes later he fell asleep so we had a an audience that was, you know, interesting. Yes. Um, but we also saw there was really fun things happening with the other part of the audience. They really got involved and intrigued and thought this was really fun. And especially when we told them afterwards that it was just for fun. It's not that they have to give money or they. it was a promotional thing or whatever. This is a f- genuine fun thing that we're doing. So
0: then you've come out of that and you're amped. And then you're like, we got to turn this into something.
2: Yep. But the big hurdle that we needed to do was to get your trams on board because we, I actually didn't know this from the beginning. It's illegal to do what we did. How did you find out it was illegal? At the meeting? (laughs) (laughs) You're meeting with with, who? with Yara Trams. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think we recorded maybe five or six bands, but we knew that we kind of need to have Yara Trams on board for this. Otherwise, we can't really make it big.
0: So the five or six that you'd already recorded—that
2: was pure gorilla, yeah, stuff. Purely legal, obviously. Yeah. Jail sentence? No, I don't know. <laughs> Were you buying tickets? <laughs> we, we did buy tickets. Did oh, you really? No, most What's of the, the time. Or he writes this down, that, this is really, yeah. this is dangerous. <laughs>
0: Are we putting ticket inspectors on all
2: Potential killers.
0: I've always thought it. Yeah. So you've done five or six and now you've got a conscience and you're
2: like, we need to get permission? We didn't just wanted permission. We also wanted them to give us money because we're doing a <sighs> good thing here. We're promoting public transport, which is still true, I think. So when we went to talk to them, it was to get money. It was not to
1: get the approval necessarily. You got in touch With Yarra Trams, they've said, yep, come in, we'll have a chat. Well,
2: they actually didn't say that. It took about four or five months for me to get a meeting with them, and I was calling them every day for a long time. How do you ring Yarra
0: Trams? You just do a switchboard? First,
2: you you have to find out who you want to target, (laughs) and this was the marketing director. We knew that they were going out to certain tram stops to meet their commuters, their customers, so we figured out where they were going to go.
1: So you started stalking? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, So
2: I started to do something illegal and then I started to stalk the people who would give me approval.
1: Just no, a laundry I- list of crimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I looked really sweet. So no one will. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah, and you had yeah. some roses. Yeah, I had ra- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, but I mean, it's important to find the right people, right? That's always the key when you want to do either if it's a business deal or if you want to get approval or whatever it is. So we realized that the marketing director that's where we need to go in so we met with him and then we got his business card ah tricked him so then i have his mobile number he shouldn't have done that Hang
0: on. <laughs> how did you trick him to give you a business card no. Be like oh my key's stuck
2: well it was pretty clear does he was anyone a- have a business card <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I i asked for it so i tricked oh, okay. him Good, yeah. He's
0: just asking for something. Nick.
2: <laughs> well, he didn't really want to give me the business card first, so okay. I was kind of I had to push him a bit.
1: What a marketing manager! I've got all these business cards. I don't like to hand them out. I don't want to
2: talk to anyone. Not, not to people that wants money from you. That's well, a, that's, that's, a that's thing. true. Yeah. So,
1: okay, they've been understandably dodging you because they you have just other want things their money. to do. Yeah. And they've got other things. They've got tram stops to stand at. That's right. Yeah. And business cards to hoard. Busy people. So after several months, you get this meeting. Yep. How does that go?
2: It it went really well. So we made a a full PowerPoint presentation. We were showing some of the clips and doing a proper pitch and all that kind of stuff, and I think it was about that time they said that what you're doing is illegal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And when you heard that, did you feel like this might have derailed my pitch (laughs) to get money? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I do remember that I saw a bit more of a uphill battle.
1: <laughs> but you're an entrepreneur yeah. and, and every setback is just an opportunity.
2: Well, they didn't say no, did they? They're,
1: they're not saying no because they're saying you're going to jail. <laughs>
2: That's right. Also, like if you compare it to all the other marketing material that Yeah Tram had at the time, we aced them. Do you remember the rhino?
1: Yeah, I, like they a tram so is, a, is a rhino yeah. on a skateboard. They
2: were so proud of the rhino. Oh Are you
1: God. anti the rhino? I'm not
2: anti, but I, you know.
1: So when you're there going, hey, we can really sell trams by putting bands on them and it's all really fun, they go, well. Wow. We've already got a rhino.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We actually, on one clip, we had to put that rhino in front of the clip, you know. This was before YouTube could do that automatically.
1: Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Just just for, I guess, for a bit of context, anybody that's listening to this that doesn't know what the
2: rhino (laughs) they're just going, what
1: the? It was like a safety thing, wasn't it? Hey, just be careful around trams because while they might look like they're really light and fluffy... It's as if it was a rhino on a skateboard. And you'd be careful if you saw yeah. a rhino yeah. on a skateboard. You wouldn't walk in front <laughs> yeah. of it. You wouldn't try and pick it up. It's not a bad it's, angle of marketing, right? Am it I? was cute. I don't know if it makes you want to use the train. No, it makes me go, oh, that's
0: a nice analogy. And then I move on with my life. Because that
2: was the problem, I think, with all their marketing stuff at that time. It was all about safety, which is fine. But that doesn't intrigue you to use public transport. It doesn't invite yeah. you in and do, you know, enjoy and, and be proud of what's there. It's just mm. like, don't walk in front of it. Don't touch <laughs> that. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you you wanted to turn that don't into a do. That's what I did. So Tram Sessions is officially on the tracks now. It's
0: rolling. You've had permission. Yeah, You've done five. You've proved it's good. It works. Yep. Now you've just got to get bands on, yeah. right? Like you yeah. just got to get more and more bands. Yeah. Who do you go to? Record Places Like who First we
2: went to venues So Courtney Barnett She was really much In the beginning She's pretty big Here in Melbourne Isn't she
1: Local legend
2: Yeah 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 She's amazing So uh, CJ What's his name Mamma Stim
1: Yeah well done
2: uh, So he went to see her And then asked her If she wanted to join And she jumped on And that's how we did it In the beginning At the end, we had, like, every day the emails were just full with some, like, smaller acts, just independent acts, but also from the record labels. They saw tram sessions being, like, if you release an album, you do TV, radio, print, and then the tram sessions.
1: They're coming to you now. They're coming to us, yeah. How long did it take to get to
2: that point? Well, probably, like, the good ones, maybe... Three three years. How many songs would the artist usually do when they do a transition? session? Roughly three or four because you need to get into the groove a little bit and then the audience relaxes as well and the bands because, you know, you have to realise from the for the bands it's really scary. Usually they're on the stage and they have a distance to the audience and they have spotlights and stuff. So they don't necessarily see the audience and
1: people have paid to listen to them. They're a literal spitting distance <laughs> that's right. from their audience. That's right. Yeah. And that's very likely on the 57. <laughs> I assume you didn't just limit yourself to that one tram route. In fact, I know you didn't, but how did you decide which trams where and when?
2: One base level was that we couldn't go peak hour cause it was just packed then. And then mm. it's not fun either. But then we started to toy around with the idea that various trams have various styles, the uh, so oh. various music would fit that tram and stuff. Oh wow! Can and, I have an example of that, please? Well, fifty-seven. Yes, uh, that's a bit more trashy rock. What type of music are you throwing on the eighty-six? Australia rock, maybe. Uh, and, okay. Yeah. Is trashy. that
0: your Courtney Barnett sort of? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well done. I'm yeah. going to assume you the Smith
2: Street band on the Smith Street one. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, it was I wasn't on that actual that session, but geez, that was pretty rowdy. I think.
0: Twenty. So we've heard of what send, you're sending north. What are you sending south on a yeah. southernbound tram?
2: It goes a bit more mellow then for a while. We did passenger there. That was a good fit for going south. Which is, is that, that folk? What's,
0: I don't know. What's, what's passenger?
2: How would you? Yeah, a bit of, bit of pop folk.
0: She said one day her husband went to get a paper. The mother never came back. Mortgage to pay and four keys to raise. Keeping the world from the door.
1: The and the Why worry
0: Can you name some big acts that started to get on Tram Sessions?
2: And what was your favourite? Passenger and Bands Joy were probably the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, well, we had Paul Kelly as well. Yes. I mean, as a Swede, I didn't know who Paul Kelly was. And I actually, <laughs> not, not that happening? time, not oh. that time. Like then I really knew. But in the beginning when I moved to Perth, yeah. I actually thought that Paul Kelly was one of those artists that was dead. Because oh. when you have someone who becomes big, there's always a few say, oh, yeah, well, that's just too much pop or that's too mm. easy or blah, blah, No one said anything bad about Paul okay. Kelly, so I just assume he's dead. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> That's that's fair. Probably favorite ones that we did, Passenger was really fun because he loves, like, he's really good at, at engaging with the audience. I do like a band called Vaudeville Smash. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's a Melbourne band. I don't think they're massive or anything. They had a major hit with uh, Zinni in Zidane. They were fun, like a disco band. Disco in a Tram.
0: What type of metrics are you hitting on YouTube and whatnot? Like, is it working for the bands? Are they getting... Actually, yeah. good promo from tram sessions.
2: In total, there's 14 million views of all the videos. Vance Joy is probably the biggest one. They have like seven or eight million views.
1: Later, and
2: we got some good media from it as well, like the music magazines. They sort of wrote about it every time it was an interesting artist. We had some radio interviews. TV and print and stuff. Stuff was happening. But I think the tricky bit was, um, well, two things. Legal rights, when it comes to using music in another setting and who owns that and how does that work. And then advertising, like doing ads and promotions... On video, that was so new. Like influencers, they didn't exist back then. So it was, you had to explain so many things for partners and stuff. So that was a little bit tricky in the beginning.
0: So you were trying to earn money from it, and you just couldn't because the the laws wouldn't allow.
2: Couldn't get enough anyway to make it really fly. And also, we didn't know what to charge. We were just like guessing. Like, how how do you charge for this? Because no one really did it. Do you do it per view, or do you do it for per
1: yeah, we just didn't know. So this is this crazy time in the early 2010s. Yeah. And as you say, this whole influencer economy wasn't up and rolling yet. No, you're it a, wasn't. You're ahead of your time. This is a bit of a common theme <laughs> yes. that we encounter with some of the victims that we talk to. The world just wasn't quite ready for yep. what they were offering.
2: I, think, I mean, it always sounds better when you say it like that. Doesn't it? <laughs> I was ahead of my time. That's why I failed. And were you intending
1: to charge who? Like the w- Was that the, the problem? Band? You just go, okay, we've done this and now I present a bill to... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> hey, wait a minute.
2: Yeah, what's going on here?
0: Do you, do you want to charge Yarra Trams or the label?
2: So the plan was to charge Yarra Trams a bit, not for the full thing, but as they would charge for ads somewhere else. And then the idea was to get other companies in to be part of tram sessions. So we had crust pizza for a while. We had Levi's for a while. We had Qantas as well. That's another
0: type of transport though, right, Chris? (laughs) Pretty sure that's not legal. (laughs) Surely there would have been talk of tram sessions on a plane
2: at that point. I had some ideas, but that didn't really like they, that's a lot of safety there. yeah Uh yeah.
0: okay at this point you don't know who to charge and whatnot but what did you want it to be or because you started and you were just like it's cool Mm -hmm. and it's fun i imagine you didn't have like an end
2: game at the beginning it was like i wanted to be one of the promotional parts like the what we were talking about before radio print tv and tram sessions yeah so i remember me saying that a lot in the beginning and that was pretty cool when that happened and i didn't want it to be stacked with ads like everyone has Levi's jeans or whatever all the time in all the clips should be about the band still about the music so I could have opened up more to the advertisers in the beginning and they would be more happy but that wouldn't have changed the outcome anyway I think because then you would have lost some of that DNA of it Mm. that it's it's a surprising thing it's a gorilla thing still and then if you just pack it with different brands to sort of lose its... um, Cool or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. But really, the big problem was to understand how much to charge for it and who would actually pay that at that time. At this point, how much time was Tram Sessions taking up for you
0: as the co-founder and, I guess, the main energy behind it?
2: I did one day a week of paid work for Tram Sessions, but then every evening, like, all the time. So it took a lot of time, but it was... At a time when I didn't have kids, um, it was a hobby. I freaking loved it. I mean, it was challenging time sometimes, but I really looked forward to those Fridays to work with tram sessions and meeting all these really cool people and getting that energy from others. And, and it was really fun to see it grow. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Was Mushroom Records involved at some point?
2: Well, we always tried to speak to Mushroom Records and talking about stalking. I went to their office a few times, you know, circling back to that. But um, actually, two weeks ago, they emailed me and said that, hey, could we use your clip? Can you come for a meeting? And I was just, okay, so this is weird. Usually it's me stalking them. What's going on? It's been 10 years But then it turns out that they are making a documentary about the founder of Mushroom. Um, Dubinsky? Yeah, that's right. And they wanted to use the clip of Vance Joy. So they wanted to. It was also funny because they send a massive contract asking me, so do you own the clip? of Vance Joy and I'm like still no one really knows who owns <laughs> what in this stuff because it's so weird like it's filmed in a public space and it's a music that someone else is, you writes and all this kind of stuff and now they're asking me as yes, it's actually a thing that I own the clip ah, which their lawyers specifically their lawyers did not like this idea of tram sessions because of the legal stuff because yeah. it was messy right but now that email said that they've accepted that we are owning these clips. Wow. I thought that was pretty interesting. That's the golden goose. The golden goose. found the guide invoice. Did I get the golden goose? You did. Yep. Mushroom records. Yeah, yeah. You sent
0: them as many invoices <laughs> as you can. That's how the game works, right? Yeah yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. There
0: you go. There you go. At this point, you don't know who to charge and you need to go back to Sweden. Why did you
2: go back to Sweden? My wife, Emma, who wanted to go, she wanted to try to live in Sweden, not just visit, but okay. live in Sweden. So it are very much like a a life decision. Um, And I, I, I wanted to stay in Melbourne more than she did actually, but it was still, it was still a good decision. And I backed that decision. And because of that, I needed to step away from tram sessions, but others took it on. So it went on for, was it maybe five or 10 years longer? Like he sort of officially died in 2019. I think. So when you
0: were in Sweden and you were looking back at it still going along, would you like peek every now and then? Would you look at everything? Would you be happy with how it was going? Or like, I can't think about this anymore.
2: No, I, I
1: did. I did look at it quite a bit. So time of death, 2019. Yeah. You just made the decision one day. You called it. Yeah. You said so that's it. It was more like it just
2: died out, fizzled out, because there was no people in Melbourne who wanted to take it on, which was... little bit sad but it was it's also fine like i think it needs to have the connection to the one who started it or someone that's really connected to it otherwise it doesn't fly when you first
0: let it go was that uncomfortable for you
2: yeah it was a big identity that i built up it's part of who i am in many ways i think and i'm really proud of especially some videos Beautifully shot and good bands, and also seeing the bands grow from when we filmed them to what they are now. Um, and that makes me, I mean, it's, it's not like tram sessions that made their career, that's not what I'm saying, but it's just fun to see, be part of that journey. Um, yeah. I was much more cool than Hayden, like, I, I had a rooftop apartment.
1: Wow. You have got a rooftop apartment on the tram <laughs> sessions dime. That's exactly. where the money's going. <laughs> that's
2: where, yeah, that's right. Yeah, were you yeah. in St Kilda? No, North, well, West Melbourne. So, mm. like, close to the 57, yeah. you know, close to go. my heart, represent, <laughs> and all that.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that you were still getting emails, even though it was fizzling out.
2: Yeah, still getting emails. And I looked on YouTube just to see some of the views and stuff. And there's comments every day. Yeah. There's still comments on the videos because obviously it's not dead. It's not dead. There's still sightings of of tram sessions. It's around. It's around.
1: Is that just like paranormal shit? <laughs> that might be outside our jurisdiction. <laughs> All
0: right, we're moving into the post mortem phase. We're going to say yeah. that it is dead. Yeah. But it lives on in our memories mm-hmm. and YouTube. We need to identify the killer. Chris is going to read out the suspects
1: who we've decided are part Ooh. of the list, just in order. Your wife's sister. Not really sure how, but strong, strong links there. A rhino on a skateboard. Yes, we know they're dangerous. Yeah, that was the whole point. Hard to stop. The Yarra Trams marketing manager. Yeah. Reluctant to give you a business card. I can see motive there to undermine you from the beginning. I feel uh, strongly about that one. Yeah. Dead Paul Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> we understand he's not dead. Paranormal stuff. Paranormal, yeah, paranormal. Yeah. Paul. And we've touched on this a couple of times. The simple fact of not having anyone to invoice <laughs> yes. for any of this.
2: Can I blame Vimeo? Because we chose Vimeo in the beginning. <laughs> you back in the beginning. We're back Vimeo. A lot of, lot of people make this mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to lock Vimeo in. <laughs> Vimeo killed the tram sessions. Mm. (laughs) We got it. (laughs) Could it have been done differently, the ending of it? If I would have stayed, it would have been different, I think. And I also learned a lot more now. Like if I look at it now, I would push it a bit more. I would push and work more on the sales. But I think now it's also the proposition would be different. Like the, the market is more, it really is more ready for this kind of stuff now.
1: So where does that leave you feeling About it all now, are you filled with regret or do you feel that you're at peace with where it was left?
2: I'm at peace with it when I look at it now and see clips and all that kind of stuff. I'm quite proud, but I still feel that with what I know now, I could make it really big, I think. I actually think so, but you need to be here and you need to put the work in. Do you want to resuscitate it? Ooh, I don't know. Well, who knows? Who knows? Well,
0: at this point of the pod, I am offering you the opportunity to let it go via sound effect if you want to and have its own funeral. You can press any of these buttons, these coloured buttons, if you want to say goodbye, and it can signify for you the end. I'm just offering it. If you want to do it, you're most welcome. If not,
2: hey, who knows? It might come back to life. This is where I think it still has sightings, you know. It's still alive. All right. They're opting against <gasps> the sound effect. But can't you have a sound effect for that? Can't oh. you just find something else? That's amazing. Oh, my
1: God. God. I didn't know that was there. <laughs> <laughs> did you just resurrect?
0: I did. It's, coming it's amazing. Back. Two
1: sessions oh
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's coming back. I guess our work here is done. Unprecedented. Thank you very much, Nick Wahlberg, for joining us in the Pitch Bleak Studios. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Nick. And thanks, Nick Wahlberg, for joining us. Thoughts,
1: Chris? Hayden, I think we need to address the rhino in the room. (laughs) You have not been straight with the audience. Uh, I haven't. You have not disclosed your own personal stake in tram sessions. I want you to fess up. Okay. I did some work for tram sessions, I was a
0: camera operator for tram sessions, a volunteer, might I add, for Nick
1: Wahlberg. And you didn't think that that would compromise your ability on I, this investigation. You're too close to this. I didn't think you'd care or
0: notice, but then I remembered via a photo one thing. This
1: is where you and I met on a tram Sessions, is it not, Chris? There, look, are you turning this around I on am. me? I am. I'm flipping it. Some have argued <laughs> in the pitch bleak community that this forms something of an origin story <laughs> for us. It is true that many years ago, I was minding my own business, (laughs) taking public transport responsibly on a tram and I was accosted, I was an unwilling audience member to a tram session. Well, I didn't know it was a tram session. I just knew that people were playing music (laughs) on a tram and other people were crouching in the walkways in gross violation of all safety rules of the tram and filming it my natural instincts my policing instincts were to get some evidence of this and i happened to snap a photo and that was a photo of yourself it was. i didn't know that at the time no but uh, i like to believe that this incident led me to my now career in creative crime investigation <laughs> And I remember
0: you from that moment because you were wearing fingerless gloves. That is disgusting slander. (laughs) You did. And I filmed you as a crowd reaction. I'm like, I'm going to get this guy who's taking a photo with fingerless gloves. He looks like someone who needs to be filmed. Very cool. It was around 2010 or something like that. Oh,
1: Jesus Christ. It was.
0: But that is where we met, Chris. Well done. Congratulations. I think we can say that the killer was... um, who do we, M- Gidinski?
1: <laughs> it was Michael Gidinski, <laughs> uh, the founder of Mushroom Records. He is dead, unlike Paul Kelly, at this stage. We'll edit this later if Paul Kelly dies <laughs> in the interim.
0: The life and death of tram sessions. And that's it for us here at Pitch Bleak Studios. Thanks, Chris. I was thinking, keep on trucking. On the next episode of Pitch Bleak.
1: And the person in question took it to heart that we spoke against the comedy festival and i was appalled that is insane that's that's incredible